0: Welcome to Destiny Church. Uh, if you're new here today, I uh, just want to say welcome. My name is Pastor Matt Bell, and we're so glad that you're here with us today and worshiping with us. At Destiny, we believe that God has a divine plan and purpose and destiny for your life. Amen. We don't believe that you're an accident. You might have been an accident to your parents, but you're not an accident to God. Amen. And so we're so glad that you are here with us today. We're going to spend a little bit of time in God's Word today. How many of you love the Word of God? Amen. Right now we're in a series for our summer called Seek First. Can everybody say Seek First? first. And if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can open to Matthew chapter 22 and 1 Corinthians 13. Matthew 22 And 1 Corinthians 13. Our theme verse for the summer is taken from Matthew 6.33, which says this, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. And so what we've been looking at over the last few weeks is, what does it mean for us to obey this instruction from the Lord Jesus? This is the author of life, Jesus himself, teaching us how we are to live the life he's given us. He says the most important thing that we can do with our lives is to seek his kingdom and to seek after his righteousness. And so we're spending the summertime to say, okay, this is our instructions from the Lord. How do we do this? What does this look like in every area of life? Now, the kingdom of God, I've given you a definition. I think today's the fifth week in our series, so by now you should have this definition of the kingdom of God. Oh, they already put it on the screen for you. You have have a sympathetic person running the projector for you this morning. This is the definition of the kingdom of God. Say it with me together. God's people in God's presence living under God's rule and experiencing God's blessing. This is what the kingdom of God is. It's God's people. There's only one way the Bible says to be one of God's people. And how do we become one of God's people? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that you belong to God today, that he is your king. You're part of his kingdom. Amen. That you are his child and he is your father. God's people. If you're here today and you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, I implore you, turn your heart towards God today. Put your faith in Christ and the work that he accomplished for you on the cross. You will be born again and brought into God's family and he will give you a new life. Amen we were thankful for the new eternal life that we have in Jesus. The second point is in God's presence. Now we know that the Bible tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That we now carry God's presence as God's people. We carry his presence everywhere we go. And that we now as his people carrying his presence live under God's rule and experience God's blessing. Now, God's rule is found in his word. And so we turn to God's word and say, okay, Lord, how, do you, how, how would you instruct us in every area of life? And as we live out our identity in Christ of being God's people, filled with God's spirit and power, living out the instructions he's given us, guess what we experience? His blessing his blessing. Have you experienced the blessings of the kingdom of God? The Bible says it's love and joy and peace and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. How many of you want some more love and joy and peace in your life? Amen. And so we've spent the last few weeks looking at what it means to seek first the kingdom of God in our marriages. I think we spent three weeks on that. What does it mean to to seek first God's kingdom in our marriage relationship? You know, your marriage relationship is your most important relationship you have in life. Amen. If you're married, you should say amen to that, especially if your spouse is sitting next to you. It's our most important relationship. And we looked at the definition of marriage and God's plan and purpose for marriage But what about every other relationship? How many of you have other relationships outside your marriage? What what about those? What does God's word have to say about that? What does it mean to seek first God's kingdom in my other relationships? And and what does that look like? You know, life is full of relationships, and, and we were made by God. We were designed by God as relational beings we want to relate to other people we want to 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 share uh, communication and love with other people we desire relationship we crave connection and we need it's not just something we want but we need to love others and we need to be loved by others this is why when when in our prison system when they place people into solitary confinement the people go, they people go mad, devoid of relationship, devoid of other human contact. Human beings lose their minds. They go crazy in solitary confinement. This is what one expert said, had to say about what happens in solitary confinement. In isolation, he says, people become anxious, angry, prone to hallucinations, and wild mood swings, and they're able to control any of their impulses. You were designed by God to be in relationship, in community with Him, first and foremost your Creator, and with others. And so how does God's Word uh, teach us, and what does it say about how we should conduct ourselves as we now relate to one another? Well, I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 22, and as we endeavor to seek God's kingdom and to seek the results of God's kingdom in our other relationships, we need to consider this verse that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22. Someone came to Jesus and they said, many of you know this, what's the most important law in the commandments? What's the most important commandment in the Bible? Jesus said to him, you shall love, everybody say love, Love. you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Another way to say this is Jesus saying this is the greatest and most important relationship. That's not an earthly relationship. It is the relationship you have with God. This is number one to love God. And how much do I have to love God? With everything you got. 100%. No holding back. To love God with all of my strength, with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind. That doesn't leave a lot of margin for, you know, anything else other than everything. That's what Jesus says. The first and greatest commandment he says the second one is like it you shall love everybody say love love your neighbor as yourself. on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets all the law and the prophets is Jesus way of saying all of the Old Testament Commandments all of the Old Testament Scripture Jesus basically says I just summarized the whole Bible for you love God and love your neighbor as yourself now how many of you find this easy to do? Nobody raise your hand. Good. We got honest people in here today. This, this, how many of you would say that, okay, that's that's a simple concept to understand? Right? Okay, I, I I can comprehend what he's saying. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah, Jesus says this is the most important thing in our relationships. Put God first and love others as ourselves. Now, what we need to keep in mind, and I'm probably overstating the obvious, the definition that Jesus has for love is not the world's definition for love. Can we agree on that? That when Jesus is talking about love, He's probably not talking about what our world or our culture today would call love. He's not talking about an earthly love or a worldly love that is really based on what I can get from you. No, when Jesus is talking about love, he's talking about God's love, the ultimate type of love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, we get a picture of God's definition for love. And it doesn't have anything to do with butterflies in your tummy, a, you know, a, a prince coming in on a, a white steed and rescuing the princess. It doesn't have anything to do with a prince charming or happy endings. No, that's not God's definition for love. First Corinthians 13 verse 4 says this, love is I almost choke on this first one. Patient. Did you know it's a sin to lose your patience? Now I'm getting in your business this morning. You know in the the old King James, you know what it says there? Instead of patience, it says long-suffering suffers long. That's what love is. Suffers long. How many of you love those two words? No, if if any two words should never be combined, it's suffering and long, right? I can suffer for a little while maybe if I have to. No, if we're going to have relationships that are full of love, they're going to be full of suffering, long-suffering. Love is patient. True love. You know, everybody's looking for true love. When you find someone who will be patient with you, that's true love. With all of your faults, with all of your failures, with all of your imperfections, with all of your idiosyncrasies, with all of your... Anything else that we want to add to that list? That's true love. That person still looks at you at the end of the day and says, I love you. I still want to be married to you. Right? That's true love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. That means when somebody else gets the promotion or somebody else goes on the vacation or somebody else gets the new car. I'm not sitting there on Facebook. Must be nice. <laughs> Wish it was mine. They don't deserve it. Like I do, Lord. You know, you know how much I love you, Lord. You know, I bet they can afford that because they're not tithers like I am. They probably don't give as much as we give and sacrifice. So, Lord, just bless them, God. Does not envy. It does not boast. Look how awesome I am. Look at my awesome vacation. I'm putting it on Facebook to make everybody else envious. My awesome new car. Humble brags, you know, all of this stuff. It does not boast. It's humble. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Cutting people down talking behind people's back spreading lies and rumors about people to make yourself look better dishonoring others it is not you know what you can dishonor somebody by telling the truth about them too do you know that love covers all things so so i can i can love someone by by not exposing all of their faults and failures Love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, whose love is this describing? God's love. And we as God's people are called to show forth his love. That's part of what it means to be created in God's image, that we reflect the nature and the character of Christ that God by his spirit is producing within us. Amen? That the longer we... We love the Lord and serve the Lord and are planted in his house and and study his word, that that we become more patient because we're becoming more like Christ. How many of you are glad that Jesus is patient with you? You know what you would be right now if Jesus wasn't patient with you? If God wasn't patient with you, you'd be a smoldering piece of ash, If it weren't for the long suffering and patience of God. And and we need to receive that love and let that love transform us to be givers of that kind of love in our relationships. Now, this type of love requires one thing it requires sacrifice. I must sacrifice what I want, my desires my way my plans and for me to show the love of God and the love of Christ it requires sacrifice. Romans 5:8 says that God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. So how did God show his love? He came and got on a cross and sacrificed and died. For you, while you were still a sinner. That's the type of love that we're talking about. Love equals sacrifice. Love equals the cross. Love equals me carrying the cross and and, and not seeking my own self-interest, but seeking others good above myself. That is what we are called to live out and to demonstrate in the world. Amen. Amen. As God's people, as God's representatives, we should be putting this on display every single day. How many of you would say that is a tall order? But that's why we as God's people have God's spirit within us, living inside of us. So we do not do it in our own strength. We cannot do it in our own strength. Instead, we lean into, we submit to the Spirit's work in our lives, and He produces this type of love that we can show others. Now, that as a foundation, I have found that there are three kinds of relationships in life. This is something my dad shared with me, wisdom he imparted to me as a young man. I'm not sure if he learned this through experience or found it in God's Word or was passed on from his father, but I've been taught this by my dad, and I have experienced it, and I I believe that it is true. There really are only three kinds of relationships in life, and as we seek to love others and to, to uh, demonstrate the kingdom of God and seek first the kingdom of God in our relationships and in our friendships. I believe we're well served to view our relationships through these three lenses. And this morning, I'm talking about personal relationships. I know that that in the world we live in, there's other kinds of relationships. We have relationships where we do business with people and exchange goods with people, and maybe. We work with people that we really don't have a a personal relationship with. I'm talking about personal relationships today. I bought something online the other day. I don't have a personal relationship with that person. The the three types of relationships I'm talking about today, that online buying doesn't really fit into that category, okay? But when in our friendships, in, in people that we're really connecting with, exchanging life in, a, in an intimate way, there really are only three kinds of relationships. I wanna share them with you, and then I wanna look at what God's word has to say about these. The first type and the best type is a life-giving relationship, a life-giving relationship. The second type, and we're gonna come back and look at these, the second type is a relationship where I lead people toward God where I lead people toward God, towards Jesus, I'm influencing them towards the kingdom of God. And the third type of personal relationship is I am being led away from God. That this person I'm in a relationship with, their influence over me is not leading me towards God, it is leading me away from God that if you look at your life, I really believe that every personal relationship that you have will fit into one of these three categories. Either it's life-giving or you're leading people towards God or they're leading you away from God. So let's let's walk through these a little bit together. The first one, life-giving, this is the best one This is where you are mutually encouraging each other in the Lord. How many of you have a relationship like that? 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Encouraging literally means to build up. And there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about us as Christians, as God's people, building one another up in our faith. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says this, that two are better than one, because they will have a good reward for their work. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls... And has not another to lift him up. This is the best type of relationships between two Christians, two brothers in Christ, two sisters in Christ, where when they get together, man, they're just building each other up. They're strengthening each other, they're sharing scripture with each other, they're they're praying for each other, they're they're helping each other grow in the faith. Those are the best kinds of relationships. When one is down, the other one extends his hand and says, come on, I'm going to help you. I'm going to pick you back up. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pour life into you. I'm going to love you. When the other is down, it's the same. This is the best kind of relationship, a life-giving relationship, a one-another relationship. You need these type of relationships in your life. You need these type of relationships in your life. You cannot make it through this life without this kind of relationship. I need these type of people in my life. Amen. People who will love me and pour their life into me. When that happens, there is a life-giving result in the relationship. The second kind of relationship is a relationship where I'm leading people towards God, where I'm encouraging people, I'm pouring my life into people, and they may be a Christian, they may not be a Christian, I may be trying to evangelize them, maybe there's somebody that I'm I'm discipling, I I can't really lean upon them because they're, they're leaning upon me for strength. They're leaning upon my faith and and my relationship with God. And I'm, I'm encouraging them and bringing them along and bringing them up in the faith. You also need this kind of relationship. This kind of relationship will help your faith grow as you help someone else's faith to grow. These are people that we are influencing towards Christ, encouraging them, praying with them, that we were really just giving and giving and pouring out. In Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16, Jesus talks about how we're to be salt and light in the earth. We're to be shining for God. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul writes and says that we are Christ's ambassadors, and God through us is making this appeal. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is an evangelistic type of relationship. You're encouraging people about Christ and and the work that Christ has done in your life and what Jesus can do in their life. You're saying... Give your life to Jesus, turn to him, trust in him. Let him carry your burden of sin. Let him bring restoration into your life. 1 Peter 2.12 says that we need to keep our conduct among the Gentiles. And when he says that, he's talking about people who are, are not Christians, people of the world. He says that us as Christians, we should live an honorable way, live an honorable life. So that if people speak against us as evildoers, that they may see our good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That we are called to live in such a way that people can say, I mean, I'm even making fun of him. I'm talking against him. I'm tearing them down. But look at how he continues to live an honorable life. This is us being a good witness for Christ. This is us maintaining a a good testimony in front of others. And this is what we, as God's people, are called to do. Amen. Now, finally, the third kind of relationship. This third category is a difficult one. This is one where people are, are pulling on us away from god they're influencing us and our thoughts and our actions to go against what god's word says to go against uh, being in fellowship with other believers actively enticing you to sin leading you away from god how many of you don't raise your hand but how many of you have some relationships like that you got some people in your life Some buddies, they're not influencing you for the Lord. Amen? They're they're trying to drag you down. The gravity that circles around their life is to take you towards sin, away from God. What does God's Word have to say about these kinds of relationships? Proverbs chapter 1, 10 and 15 says this, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? Light and dark are not friends. They do not hang out on the weekends. They do not go to parties together. They are never in the same place at the same time. These are people in your life, and you know who they are, constantly tempting you to participate with them in sin. This is the boyfriend or the girlfriend who's putting pressure on you, trying to persuade you to to get into a a physical relationship that is sexually immoral, is leading you to, to, they're putting pressure, you know, if you really loved me, You take off all your clothes and get into bed with me right now. That's how you can prove your love. You don't love me if you're not willing to do this one thing. It's the friend who's constantly wanting you to go out and party and get wasted and pick up guys and pick up girls and let's just go have a good time it's it's your friend who's always got some sort of cockamamie unethical business idea to how to make a quick buck and rip off a bunch of people constantly influencing you away from God come on they say let's do this together it'll be fun we'll have a good time This is the third kind of relationship. They're influencing us away from God. Now, I've had several relationships like this, several friendships in my life. Over the course of my life, I've had, I remember one friend that every time we hung out, all he wanted to do was look up porno. And, uh, you know, I had to say, dude, like, Let's hang out, but let's do it without the porno. I had another friend that constantly, just constantly, let's go get wasted. Let's go get hammered. Let's go get slammed. Let's just get drunk and and have a good time. Like, that's all they wanted to do. I had another friend, all they wanted to do, every time we got together, they, they just wanted to talk about their sexual conquests. That's all they wanted to talk about. And, and so what do you do in that type of relationship? Here's what you do. Number one, what do we do? We love, right? Call to love. We must love everyone. But here's what you say. I love you, but I love God more. I love you, but I love God more. I want to spend time with you but I cannot participate with you in sin. I love you. Let's spend time together. Let's enjoy each other's company, but I will not participate with you in your sin because I love God even more than I love you. There's a lot of things that we can do together, my friend, There's so many things that we can do. There's a few things that I won't do. So when I come over, we won't look at porno. When we get together, we're not going to go get wasted. When we spend time together, I'm not going to sit and listen to how you're sexually sinning and bragging about it. There's a lot we can do, but there's a few things I won't do. I value our friendship. I value your soul. I'm on your team. I'm on your side. And what you're trying to do in this relationship is you're trying to move them from category three where they're influencing you away from God and you're trying to step up and say, no, this is gonna be a category two relationship where I am going to influence you for the kingdom of God where I am going to share my faith, where I am going to be an influence and and, and a leader in your life. No, 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 we are not going to go down this pathway where you continually pull me into sin and, and violating my most important relationship with God. One of the best examples we have of this in the Bible is, of course, Joseph. Joseph, a young man who the Bible says was very attractive, caught the eye of his master's wife. He was a slave. He was owned by somebody else. And his master's wife said, I want to use your body for my sexual gratification. And he said, you know what? Even if on paper it says that you own me, let me tell you something. I belong to somebody who's even greater than you. It's God Almighty. And so it might say on paper that you own me, but listen, I answer to somebody higher than even your husband. I answer to God. And so Joseph refused, turned her away. I will not. We will not go down that pathway. Till so finally, she grabbed him and ripped his clothes off, and he ran out of the house, fled from that temptation. Now, how did that? How did that go for him? Did he get the silver star? No, what did he get? He got shackles. Listen, sometimes in life, sometimes in life, there's a price to pay for doing what's right. I don't want to sugarcoat this and say, hey, it's just going to be great. Live for God, it's going to be easy. No, it might be hard. It probably will be. Yet we answer to somebody. We, we have a relationship with somebody that's it, it, it's worth so much more than any earthly relationship. We have to keep them in line. We have to keep the priorities straight. The goal in our lives is to please God, not to please man. And if we live for the pleasure of God, it means we do not live for the pleasure or the approval of others. Paul says that in Galatians 1.10. He says, if I just try to please people, I'm not going to please God. So if you find yourself in this type of relationship, and judging by how quiet it is in here today, I'm gonna assume that some of you are in this kind of relationship. You have two options. I talked about option one. Option one is trying to move this relationship from a category three to a category two. I'm I'm no longer gonna let you influence me to sin. No, I am going to take a stand for for God and for our relationship that I have with God, and and I love you, and we can still be friends, but I will not participate in your sin. I'm going to love you. I'm going to tell you about Christ. I'm going to encourage you to, to move away from those things, and man, you want to hang out. You want to spend time together. We can do a lot of stuff. There's just a few things we can't do because I love you. That's option one. Move it to Uh, uh, the second category of relationship. Now, if that won't work, or if you're not strong enough, if you're not strong enough to spend time with them where they're not pulling you in and sucking you in, then you have another option. You must end the relationship. You must end the relationship. If you are not strong enough to stand, I would prefer that you are strong enough. I would prefer that you can stand. But I understand that in in times in our life, we are very weak. And if you're at that place, you you need some people pouring into your life the right stuff. And you need to sever those relationships that are just pulling you into the world. You must remove yourself from the temptation. Now, what you may find, as I have found many times in my life is as I attempt to influence people for Christ, it's not me who ends up ending the relationship. It's that person who doesn't want to hear the truth about Jesus, and and, and they're the ones who, who end the relationship. Because as soon as you start talking about the Lord or start talking about, hey, come to church with me. Let's go worship God. Let's just, hey, why don't we open the Bible next time we're together? I have some stuff I want to share with you. No, it's like the devil comes out. (sighs) They're anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-church, anti-Christians, anti-the Bible. If it has anything to do with God or Jesus or the church or the Bible, they want to get away as far as possible. And if that's the case, you love them, you pray for them, but you do not participate with them in sin. They're not worth it. Because when we enter into relationships with others where we're sinning against God, it damages our relationship with God. It breaks our fellowship with God. Now, does it separate us from God's love? No, we read this morning, nothing can separate us from God's love. Am I still a Christian if I sin? I believe that you are. But it's like in a marriage where me and, and my wife and, and we're together, you know, if, if I sin against her or I offend her and say something stupid, which I often do, um, I, can, I can dig in my heels and say, no, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. And what's going to happen there? It's going to break the fellowship there. It's going to break the relationship there. Now, am I still married? Yeah. You can be married and have a really bad marriage. I don't know if you knew that. (laughs) Or I can go to her and say, look, I'm sorry, I'm I'm an idiot. Why do I say these things? I don't know. Thank you for loving me. Please forgive me. I'm going to try my best not to do it anymore. And that brings restoration in the relationship. It brings back fellowship. It's the same with God. It's not that I sin and I lose my status as his child, but it is a break in fellowship. And so I need to come to God in repentance and say, God, I'm sorry. Give me the strength. Help me, Lord, to remove myself from this situation, to to help me not to sin anymore. Whatever you do, you must not participate with them in their sin. It jeopardizes your most important relationship, putting God first, loving him with everything that we've got. Now... There's one more thing I didn't touch on. And let me just say, God forbid that you're in the, that third category of relationship. But you're the person influencing others to sin. I, I pray to God that you are not here today hearing this and you are the one. You are the one enticing others who who want to serve the Lord, who are faithful and love the Lord, and they have a relationship with God. And you are the one saying, it's not that big a deal. It's just a little bit of fun. Come on, let's do it. Don't worry about it. Don't you want me to be happy? Come with me. Don't you love me? I pray to God that you are not that person. Jesus said, listen to what Jesus said about those type of people. It's not good. Jesus said, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck, a two-ton stone tied around your neck, and for you to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around your neck. That would be better for you than to cause, he says, one of my little ones to stumble. That's Jesus' words. That's not a good scenario. You do not want to be the person who is enticing someone to sin, someone who wants to serve the Lord, who's faithfully pursuing the Lord, who loves the Lord, and you're saying, that's ah, not that big a deal. Listen, it—that that is a big deal. And you should repent. If you are actively enticing someone to participate with you in sin stop it right now stop it cut it out you are in a dangerous place i'm here to warn you to tell you what god's word says to say repent turn away from that nonsense Turn back to God, pursue God, and may he have mercy on your soul. All right, in conclusion today, Amen. for you to seek God's kingdom in your relationships, you need to evaluate all of your relationships through these three lenses. Are we building each other up in the Lord? Are my relationships life-giving is the majority of my relationships like this or is it the minority or do I not have any relationships like this where I'm encouraging them and them encouraging me and when they fall down I pick them up and when I fall down they pick me up and man, we're just we're just going for it for the Lord do you have relationships like this you need these types of relationships you need to get into community, get in a community group, get on the, one of our serving teams, find a prayer group, find a Bible study. You need this kind of relationship. Secondly, what, what are, are, are you leading others? Are you influencing others? Are you leading people towards God? How many of your relationships are like this? Do you have any relationships like this? For you to have a strong faith, you must lead other people. If you don't have any relationships like this, it's a problem. It means you're not sharing your faith. And if you don't have any relationships like this, you, you have to wonder, if I'm not leading anybody towards the Lord, man, am, am I just being pulled into sin and swayed by the, the world and the world system and the, the culture? and do, Are any of my relationships the way they should be? And finally, do you have any relationships where you're being led away from God? You need to pray. You need to ask God. You need to say, God, show me how I can start to influence them. Show me, Lord. Lord, help me to, 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 to not participate anymore. Give me the strength by your Spirit God, if I have to, help me. Give me the strength to to separate myself from this relationship because there's nothing more important than my relationship with you, God. Because ultimately, Lord, I'm living for you and I'm living for your kingdom and you are my king and I'm living for your glory. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it it teaches us how to live in this life that you've given us. Lord, we don't have to wander around in the dark. Lord, you've you've shown us that our priority is to to seek first your kingdom and as your people to to love you with everything we've got, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, our thoughts, God, and our strength, everything that we have to, to pour that into loving you And to, Lord, love others as ourselves. Lord, for those who are here today and they say, I need that kind of relationship. I need a relationship where where people are pouring into me. Lord, I pray that you would bring that into their life. Lord, show them where they can find that. Lord, even bring people into their workplace where they work, where they can connect, Lord, on that level. And have that that life-giving relationship. Lord, for those here today who say, I'm not really influencing anyone for Christ, God, that you would, would, would give them the strength and the wisdom and the, the, the boldness, Lord, to, to step out and to, to be people who say, I, no, I will not be influenced for the world. I will be an influence for Christ. I will be a witness. I will shine my light. I will encourage others and lift others and build others up. Lord, for those who are here today who are in the other kind of relationship, Lord, that you would help them to be an influence, first and foremost, for you. Lord, that they would turn the page on that relationship, and they would say, that chapter is over. We're starting a new chapter, a chapter where I don't participate in sin, but that I love you, and I shine my light, and I'm caring for you, and I care for your soul, and I'm praying for you. And Lord, if if they're not able to to, to, to turn the page if they're not able to, to start a new chapter Lord that you would close the book on that relationship and that it would be finished that you would bring others into their life Lord where they can have communion and fellowship and connection Lord ultimately our most important relationship is with you and it's only through your son Jesus that it's possible Lord without your shed blood covering our sins we could never have relationship with you So, Lord, we thank you that you have sacrificed for us and you've shown us, Lord, how to lay down our lives, how to love others as you have loved us. Help us, Lord, as your people to live in such a way that brings you glory and that seeks first your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning.